Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm Dove Tuzman and you're on equal footing again and we're going to be talking tonight about the challenge of interfaith marriage. Pretty prevalent these days. The stats are a little bit easier to come by for the United States and let me throw out a couple of these uh, to you as listeners before we get to introducing our esteemed guests. So first of all about one in five Americans today were raised in an interfaith household, meaning two spouses of differing religious identity. I want to be clear off the bat that religious identity does not mean you are necessarily Jewish or Catholic or Muslim or Protestant. One of them can be non-religious or, in fact, atheist even. So one in five Americans today were raised in an interfaith household as those spouses self-identify. However, here's where stats get more. Actually, it was a lower number than I thought. But for people that were raised in households where the parents were born before 1960, the chances of that being an interfaith household were closer to 1 in 10. And the chances as you get closer to the current generation, so the youngest parent cohort, parents that are 18 to 25 today, they have almost a 45% chance of being interfaith. So interfaith marriage, whether we like it or not, is going up. Also, let's talk about the about marital stability. There's often an assumption that same faith marriages are more stable, more enduring, lower divorce rates. Eh, that's not what the stats show. In fact, interfaith relationships show, show lower divorce rates and lower indexes of marital instability in a variety of different studies and sociological methods of analysis. Now, why? Is that because people work out their differences beforehand? There are some that theorize that in same faith couples are more likely to disagree about the faith, whereas in when they're interfaith couples, they tend to take religion off the table, out of dinner table conversation, so to speak. I don't know. Our guests are going to get into this a little bit more. And Let's talk also about what it is to leave your faith. I think there's an assumption that uh, when people switch religious identities, that that's often for love. You know, someone that's getting married to someone else and or wants to be in a relationship with someone else, and that, that faith is very important to one, perhaps less important to the other, or one is less flexible on the, flex, flexible on the point, so one spouse or one partner makes the adjustment. And that's not the most common reason. In fact, immigration uh, patterns, educational uh, levels, influence from family and friends is in the aggregate a more common reason. So, if you're, sorry to be, I'm a stat geek. So, the changing faith for love, so to speak, is the plurality, meaning more people do do that than for any other specific reason. But on the whole, people change faiths in their lifetime on the whole for other reasons more often in the aggregate than for love. Okay, so we set the stage with some statistics. We're talking about the challenge of interfaith marriage. No secret that this is a Jewish network, historically Jewish network. We do have two wonderful Jews as guests tonight. <laughs> and But uh, these are two individuals who have been exposed to the interfaith marriage issue outside of only the Jewish context. So if you're not Jewish, please continue to tune in. I want to start by introducing our, uh, let's say, um, religious perspective here. And, you know, it's always difficult to, um, I, I, not always, I, I find it sometimes challenging, let's put it that way, to combine the academic and the religious perspective, the halachic, the Jewish law perspective, and the, uh, and, and the secular perspective. But we have on the show, a guest who has, uh, has really feels comfortable doing that. And I, and I, and I, then what we've done is we've allowed for that guest to have uh, a little bit of the space to talk about the religious context first. 
and then we'll be going into uh, the kind of academic uh, context. So without further ado, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Serebriansky, known as Rabbi Yossi to many, is born in Melbourne, Australia. He was raised in a a selfless and wonderful Chabad Lubavitch family. Chabad, for those of you who are not familiar, is a, a Jewish uh, outreach and emissary group within the Orthodox family, let's say, of, of, of Jewish sects, to, to put it uh, maybe not so politically correctly. <laughs> uh, and he was raised really around the values of Torah from the beginning. He's not a, a convert uh, to to an Orthodox lifestyle. He was raised in an Orthodox household. But his education was interesting. Uh, interestingly also enhanced by many esoteric teachings that are inherent in the Hasidic understanding. And that means a greater understanding as well and perspective on other religious paths as well. He's a Rabbi Yossi is a friend and confidant to many who turn to him for guidance and wisdom, and particularly on this topic of interfaith relationships and marriage. He's published one book in Hebrew, seven books in English, too many to, to go through here on the show. You can look him up yet, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Serebriansky, and in our show notes we'll include... Uh, some references to his work for those of you who are interested. And he spent many years guiding converts to Judaism and also occasionally conducting uh, conversions, as well as guiding non-Jews who turned to him, even during wedding ceremonies. I, I love that story I heard from him in the in the, in the the pregame, who want to follow Torah in their own life, even if they're non-Jewish. Rabbi Yossi, welcome to Equal Footing. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me here on the show. So, Rabbi Yosef, before we introduce in our next segment our other guests, you have the floor to yourself. Give us the, with uh, no pun intended, the orthodox view off uh, out of the box. Is interfaith marriage in the Jewish context ever allowed? And if if someone's in love with someone of another faith, what do they do? That's a very good question. Uh, in Judaism, there is no such a thing as interfaith marriage. Judaism does recognize marriage that you and a non-Jew. It's not, not considered marriage at all. It's considered a relationship. So yes, people fall in love for various reasons. People have different relationships with people, uh, which is often beyond religion anyway. And uh, that's something that people have to deal with, but as far as considering a marriage between a Jew and a non-Jew, there is no such a thing in Judaism. So, the question is, when people come to me... So, meaning it, it uh, obviously happens, so you're saying that it just, it just is, it, it's not allowed, it's, it's not even a Jewish thing. You do that, you're out of the faith. Is that, is that the message? Well, not you're out of the faith. In Judaism, if you do something which is not according to Jewish law, then you have an issue to deal with. And you don't sort of have the faith because you did something different. People do things all the time. Actually, making mistakes is part of being human. So and and Rabbi Yossi, that, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't know if you're on a headset or what have you. We do get a lot of background noise. Yeah, if you can, uh, if you have a chance to okay. improve the audio, feel free. Sure, no problem. Okay. I was on hands free. That's that's, that's much better, yeah. Okay, so basically everyone is a human being and are expected to make mistakes. So if according to the religion you made a mistake, it doesn't mean you're thrown out of the religion. It just means that at some point you have to rebalance yourself or re- reevaluate the situation. So the, the people doing things in and of itself doesn't make it against the religion. It just means you have an issue to deal with. It's like any relationship. You have a relationship with a person, you have to deal with things. You have a relationship with a religion also, and a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So the, every situation has many variances, and so every situation where any couple comes to you, or any two people that are involved in a relationship, even if they don't call it marriage, uh, one, I have to listen to the details, listen to what is happening, to try and understand what the issues are, what the situation is, where it's going, um, because everyone is on a journey in life. And we go in and out of relationships, in and out of a journey, takes us up and down. 
So nothing is always what it seems. Okay, so a, a, a Jewish a Jewish person and a non-Jewish person come to you, and mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to yeah. talk about if there's any difference in gender in a moment. But a Jewish mm-hmm. person of any gender comes to you and 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 says, uh, "I'm in love with this person who's non-Jewish. I want to. Uh, we're considering getting married." Um, is your is your answer anything but they would need to convert, or do you sometimes find yourself self no. saying anything different? I will not convert a person because of marriage, because they want they're converting for someone else. It has to be their own journey. Right. If so the person. So for not, for not this is this is I think many Jewish people know this, but I think it'd be particularly interesting either for non-observant Jews or people that are not Jewish that in Judaism, if I understand it correctly, Rabbi, that the someone cannot convert kind of for like an earthly reason like love. Like the, you you basically get rejected at least for an Orthodox conversion if you're doing it for that purpose. Correct. Okay. Yes. And in fact, when people come to me, I look to see. If the person has a Jewish soul or spark of a Jewish soul or Jewish ancestor, if there's something in them that's Jewish, it doesn't matter they're born in a non-Jewish family, but I have to see if there's a spark of a Jewish soul, then I can help them develop it. If I don't see a spark of a Jewish soul in a person, I can't help them develop it and therefore cannot Move them over to Judaism. And so, to speak to a layman like me, is, is, do you kind of, uh, if I, I'm Jewish, but if I wanted to convert, would you? And, and I, I was in love with a non, a non-Jewish person, and I, and I, I came to you about that. Would you effectively say, you know, you can only convert if you would convert if that person didn't exist? Like it has to be a completely no. independent. No, decision. I don't say that. Okay, I don't say that. What I do say is. If you want to convert, it has to be because you want to convert, not because it's dependent on the person. So I don't want to know about this other person, even though you love them now, and even though whatever. I need to know your own personal journey and understand if it's part of your journey. Because sometimes, I've seen actually quite a number of times where people, maybe a boy or a girl meets a Jewish person, it makes them interested in Jews, and then they break up, but right. they still want to be Jewish. So it's... So I have to understand if it's a person's personal journey to be Jewish, or there's a separate reason. If it's based on a different reason, it's not the person, then I don't go anywhere with it. We had a, I have a family member, uh, the, the generation mm-hmm. before me, uh, and mm-hmm. without without in saying the name, who his he he married a woman who converted to Judaism, mm-hmm. and then they I don't I'm not exactly clear whether she went back to Catholicism. Uh, prior mm-hmm. to their divorce, but certainly after the divorce, she she returned to to her mm-hmm. pre-conversion life. Right. Um, and that, does that happen a lot? Is that is that is that kind of one of the things you're accounting for or fearful of when you're looking at converting someone? I'm not fearful of it. I'm not a statistician, and I, I'm not fearful of it. Um, my 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 business is to listen to the individual and see how I can guide them best in their journey. In, and in their connection with the Creator, whether they're Jewish or not, is irrelevant. And so I, I listen to each individually, and I don't use what other what other people have gone through is is, is things I know in the background, but I don't have a, a, anything that I come to them with a pre, predetermined idea. But I, have, I listen with an open heart. So we're going to take our first. We're going to take our first break in a second, Rabbi. But one of the things that as we as I was doing the research for this show, and the producer mm-hmm. gave me some amazing uh, stuff to go through, I was shocked to find that divorce rates are lower. And it, this, we're talking in the Jewish context here. And I want to be fair. This stat doesn't apply. I, I couldn't find the stat as it specifically applied to uh, to people that are converted to Judaism, but interfaith marriages. It was clear from a number of sources that divorce rates are lower historically in the United States than in same-faith marriages. How, how would you explain that, given your experience? I, I don't know. I can't talk about something I don't know. What I can say is that um, very often people of interfaith marriage are people who um, either have been turned off by the religion they came from or they, they were never religious in the beginning. Um, so if religion is not an issue in their, in their marriage, it, it doesn't affect it. They don't, it, it's easy to love someone without having other things come in, involved. But if the person has 
still has strong backgrounds in their religion, then it does cause problems later. That's a really good point. One of the things that's theorized on 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 this, although it doesn't seem to be able to be proven out sociologically or academically, is that in interfaith marriages, there's a lot of dialogue that happens around this area prior to tying the knot that may not occur sure. in the same faith. Or maybe maybe assumptions around shared values as opposed to really talking mm-hmm. through those shared values. So, all right, well, right. Rabbi Yossi, I really appreciate you being on equal footing, talking about interfaith marriage, the challenge of interfaith marriage, and as it turns out, also some of the, I would say, benefits based on the research that, that I've gone through here uh, pre-show. And we're going to be adding a guest in our next segment to get into this. Call in and participate. Give us your stories, personal stories, interfaith marriages that haven't worked, that have worked, how it happened, why it happened, What are your views on the subject, personal or theoretical? Call 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090 to participate live. Or you can text a question or comment by text, by SMS, or by WhatsApp to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. 4062. We'll take some questions in, in our next segments. And as always, you can do so on an attributed or non-attributed basis. You can add your name when you call in. You can say your name or you can add your name if you send a text or you can uh, do it uh, anonymously. That's fine. We'll be right back on Equal All right, well, we're talking tonight on Equal Footing about interfaith marriage and about marital stability to some degree. And one area of marital stability that often is hard to talk about, doesn't get enough attention, attention, is the emotional pain that can come from erectile dysfunction. And one of our sponsors for a long time here on Equal Footing is Manhattan Medical. Now, Manhattan Medical is an important message for you, and that's if you or a partner are dealing with erectile dysfunction, there are other options available to you than the traditional methods, those expensive blue pills, etc. There are many people, because of other underlying conditions, who cannot take traditional remedies for erectile dysfunction, but there is another way. Manhattan Medical utilizes the new effective gains wave therapy. It can help you achieve excellent results. It is non-invasive. It's surgery-free. It's painless. There are no side effects like there are with traditional uh, pills. And for most patients, you get wonderful results. Manhattan Medical is not only available to people in the New York area. You can do a Zoom or telephonic visit. And if you mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's erectile dysfunction gains wave therapy on equal footing, you get a free consult. And that's a $250 value. Again, mention equal footing and you get a free consultation. The number to Manhattan Medical is 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888-ED-CURE-9. Or, or the numbers... If that's easier for you, 888-332-8739. That's 888-332-8739. Call Manhattan Medical. Address this issue. More than 50% of men at some point in their life deal with erectile dysfunction. Put it out there. Get help. Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy can help you. 888-332-8739. I've been caught. All right, we're back on equal footing, and I'm here with my guest, Rabbi Yossi. And Rabbi, we were talking right before the break about uh, marital stability and putting aside the statistics about uh, interfaith and, and, and same-faith marriages. What would you, and just looking at it from your personal experience, you've consulted with many couples uh, considering and then going through with an interfaith marriage or what are, or originally would have been an interfaith marriage and often they choose a, a path where, where one person is converting. What would you say is the formula for success and what are the things that typically trip up that type of relationship? Uh, one of the things of success is not to have children <laughs> because children complicate it because what happens when you have children 
then one wants a specific religion to to raise the children a specific way. Okay, so let me, sorry, I missed something, so I missed something with the audio. So oh. you're saying one of the formula elements of success is to decide on this prior to having children. Oh, absolutely. One of the problems that I've seen many times is that people come and say, okay, we're having children, we're having children because I want to raise my children this way and the other one wants to raise it a different way. And that creates a little bit of friction. And so children can either bring them together or it can cause a lot of a lot of problems that go on. It doesn't always accumulate straight it happens straight away, but it accumulates over time. Eventually as the children are growing up, it, it, it creates more friction in the partners. Okay. Uh, so and what's another so uh, dealing with it before you, you, you have children, clear, that sounds quite reasonable. What's another kind of element of success when interfaith marriages work or when, or when someone converts and, and then they become same faith, same faith, but they started as an interfaith couple? Well, an interfaith, any marriage or any relationship with people that are different works if the differences don't become an issue between them. It's when the differences become an issue that other things start happening. So interfaith is no different. Uh, each one can believe what they want as long as it doesn't interfere with how they relate to each other. When it does, then it's a problem. Uh, when people want to convert to Judaism, one of the issues is that have to, let's say someone's coming from Christianity um, and the partner is Jewish, I, it takes actually a few years because I would have to that they're able to undo all the things that were imbued in them in the Christian faith, clear them out of the system in order to accept the things of the Jewish faith and live that properly. So that would take about two years. Um, the conversion process. That process to, um, yeah. And, and what would you say are the, is the, if you had to pick one uh, kind of red flag, a couple comes to you and they're considering going from an interfaith couple to a same-faith couple, what would be the red flag to say, uh, you know what, this is probably not going to work based on my experience? It's very difficult for me to say one red flag because I try to listen to their story to see where their heart is, to see where their mind is, get a sense of the background. Everyone is actually individual. I don't put, put them in a, in a grouping. So I don't know if I can say there is one red flag. What I do try and see is to, to try and understand where each one of them is in their journey as far as just being a human being, how their relationship is. Because a lot of people go in their relationships not because of religion, but because of which in their own personal sense. So, for example, a good person who is keeping their religion makes their religion good look good, but the religion doesn't make the person good. Right. So when, when I look at them, I don't look at them usually from a religious perspective, unless they want very extreme. And when one of them is extreme, that's going to cause problems. Right. That would, sure. probably be, that, would, that would probably be a, a recipe for a problem, irrespective of whether they're interfaith. In fact, the, the stats that Correct. I was reading is that even same-faith marriage, well, same-faith marriages actually have a higher rate of instability around that, it, often disagreements around the, the observance around the faith where there's an assumption of a baseline in that area. Our, our, our second guest has joined us, and I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk about this religiously, I guess from a religious perspective, Rabbi, to begin mm-hmm. with. And then, and then I'd like to add into the conversation here a, a also a, a Jewish person, but a, a secular perspective uh, as well. Uh, Moshe Ratzin mm-hmm. has joined us. He's uh, he has so many degrees after his name. Uh, he has, has got a number of different master's degrees. He's a, a very impressive uh, person. He's a psychotherapist and executive coach based in New York City. And he's a leading voice in the world of personal and professional development, specializes in areas, areas like anger management, emotional intelligence, infidelity issues, performance marriages, and couple and marriage therapies. And 
Yeah, he's coached individuals and teams from Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, religious organizations, not-for-profits. And before becoming a psychotherapist, Moisha was a professional basketball player and a basketball coach, a military officer, a secret service expert. <laughs> he has many years of experience as a top business executive as well. So, you know, Moisha, welcome to Equal Footing. And, and I appreciate you coming on with a, with a, a very different uh, perspective here, perhaps, than, than Rabbi Yossi. Uh, so first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, to be honest, I, I just joined, so I don't know exactly what Rabbi Joseph said. So I don't know exactly, <laughs> you know, what what were you were talking about. But I'll be more than happy to share some of your perspective, my perspective about the issues. So I mean, if you have specific questions, I'll be more than happy to address or to answer. Yeah, I want you to help us, Moisha, on on one of the aspects that's come up in the research uh, prior to this show that I still can't get my head around, and that is the Pew Research Institute uh, is is one of several leading institutions that's done multi-year and even multi-decade studies around the evolution of interfaith marriage in the in the United States, and found that divorce rates in interfaith marriage, which is going up. Uh, we talked about that before you got on the program at the outset, Moshe, about the fact that if you were in a family, in a household where your parents were born before 1960, you had close to a one in 10 chance of that being a household that was interfaith. And today, if, you know, if you're in the youngest uh, per- parenting cohort of 18, 25, 18 to 25 years old, the chances are uh, almost 50, 45% they're in an interfaith situation. So obviously it's not just Jewish and non-Jewish. They can also be within the Christian faith. It can be Protestant and Catholic and so forth, but there's still significant diversity in, in perspective. Well, the rate, the, the, the chance you stay together, the divorce rate in uh, same faith relationships is actually uh, higher than in interfaith relationships. And I'm I'm still struggling to get my head around that. Do you have any perspective, Moshe? Uh, so, so, so just just to be clear, are you saying that the divorce rate over time and in the in the in the survey that you have done is that, that in interfaith marriages is is less than the same faith marriages? Yeah, and there's, I mean, the Pew Research Institute uh, has a, a multi-decade study on this uh, that's available at uh, Pew, the Pew Research PewForum.org. There's also a long-term uh, study uh, by Science Direct, uh, sponsored by Cellier, that 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 showed the same thing. The rates are different a little bit based on faith. I couldn't get down to the granular level of interfaith Jewish marriages versus interfaith uh, marriages of other of other yeah. sorts, but the data is pretty clear that the divorce rate is higher in in same faith marriages, which was perplexing to me. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't have to be honest. It's a very very interesting, like you said, that you are puzzled by that. I mean, I can just, I mean, I can again. I, I wondered to you know to what degree it's significant uh, in terms of percentage. Uh, and which exactly, you know, the, the, basically the mer- the, the, the faith. But, well, one thing that could be maybe relevant or maybe some kind of explanation, I don't think it's the whole explanation, it requires probably more, a deeper understanding, is that maybe, maybe, uh, today, I, I mean, the people that are engaged, uh, in, uh, in marriages or interfaith, uh, are becoming more uh, spiritual in a sense that the, the coming to the marriage uh, with greater level of readiness and openness that maybe did not exist before. Uh, clearly because of maybe globalization, uh, social media information, I think these bridges, uh, you know, they're able to bridge the differences and maybe they are really more welcoming uh, and, and more understanding and more open, and uh, they are maybe ready, and maybe their, their disposition is in a better place. So I don't have a clear answer. Uh, I, I, I do think because of that spiritual aspect or nationality, when I'm talking about spirituality, is more openness to pluralism, and uh, maybe that allows them uh, to, to be able to deal with the challenges. Um, 
So I, I don't have a clear answer. This is just my, the first quote that comes to my mind. Yeah, I mean, there, there, are a couple, uh, there are a couple of theories that I'll throw out to you and just in terms of your personal anecdotal experience. Uh, one of them is that interfaith marriages in general are based on, as you're putting, a more pluralistic view of the world and and uh, and therefore perhaps more of an acceptance when things are a little bit outside of the lines. Meaning, you know, if, if you're in a same-faith marriage and there is some sort of uh, I don't know. There's a diversion. There's a divergence of of perspective on a on a particular uh, area of of Jewish law, for example. You may find it that there's it's intransigent, right? There's no way to kind of make up the difference. Or if you're coming from totally different perspectives, maybe it's easier to find some sort of common ground that might actually be outside of the religious context. Yeah, and uh, just to add to that, and I think that uh, you're saying that the. Before the marriage, these people are already, because they are engaged with people from a different kind of faith, they are willing, or maybe they are less rigid, they are more flexible, and they are really maybe willing to embrace a greater level of challenge, while while people from uh, the same uh, ethnicity, culture, or, or, uh, or faith, uh, having a are more rigid or maybe higher level of expectation to, to fit uh, certain things. So in that regard, that, that's probably a, a good underlying explanation, so in my opinion. W- when you have a couple come to you, unlike the rabbi who's, who basically told us in the first segment that, you know, he from a, from a, a Jewish perspective, th- there really cannot be a marriage that's outside of the faith, it just it it, it 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 it's not that it doesn't exist. It happens in the real world, but it, it can't happen in inside the faith in, in in any kind of you know ritualistic way, in any kind of observant way. Is your situation different as as a Jewish psychotherapist? We deal with couples. You deal with couples you know, considering getting married that come from different faith backgrounds. Do you ever in, you know find yourself encouraging them not to find common? In other words, that one not convert that they just find common ground elsewhere and maintain an interfaith relationship? Uh, uh, you know, as a therapist, my, my role is obviously not uh, not, not to, to make a, a decision for them. I mean, what is important to me is, is to, <clears throat> to make them aware about the implications of their own decisions, uh, you know, the pros and cons, uh, uh, the, 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 the factors that are going to make their relationship good or bad. And clearly, I do, I do in my opinion, try to touch about uh, uh, a kind of like universal aspect, regardless of where you're coming from. Yes, because we are human beings. Uh, you know, we all have uh, rituals, uh, Issues in regards to um, uh, sex, in regards to um, uh, kids, how to raise kids, uh, how to communicate, uh, how is that in a practical manner. All these aspects uh, impacting their daily life, uh, yes, Mm -hmm. and what are the implications for them. So... You know, one of the one one it's listener like, sent like a pre-marital aspect. Sorry. Yeah, one listener sent in a text which I thought was thought-provoking, Moshe, and I'll ask both you and the rabbi to 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 give your perspective. That there, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that there was, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a suspiciousness of faiths that fear uh, interfaith marriage. Like it seems that certain faiths are more uh, more fearful of it. Now, I, I know there are demographic and sociological issues. I mean, with Judaism, is, it, it, it represents such a small uh, – Jews are such a small percentage of the global population that there's literally an existential dynamic around uh, around there being interfaith marriage. But do you find that to be the case, Moshe? Do you, do you, in, in, and if so, does that, in a certain sense, not speak well of the religion? I mean, if you're confident in your belief set, then uh, it should be fine to kind of add someone to the discussion, no? I'm sorry, I didn't get the questions, if you don't mind just repeating that. Yeah, and I, I muddled it a little bit. Let me ask you more directly. Do you think that certain religions are more comfortable with marriage outside of the faith than others? Uh, I do believe the answer to that question is yes. Uh, because certain, uh, regardless of the 
if we talk about interfaith marriages, I do, I do think uh, certain uh, certain religions are more more rigid. Yes, uh, you know clearly. I mean, we have to analyze it by case by case because it goes back so to is, the individual. Is Judaism but, is Judaism? Uh, would it be fair to say Judaism, in your experience, is the most rigid? I know you also have clients that are Muslim. You have many clients that are that are Christian, and yes. Buddhist. We talked about that yes. in some of our pregame discussions. So, is is Judaism the most rigid? You're saying you're asking if Judaism is more more rigid. Is it the most rigid religion in terms of of accepting an interfaith couple? I know I, I don't think so. I mean, you you touch about and again, I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's kind of like kind of like getting into a very uh, uh, challenging uh, situation. I think it, it's a very provocative question. Uh, I, again, I can tell you only from my own personal experiences. Uh, but uh, even if we take, let's say, uh, uh, you know, the Muslim uh, cultures, I mean, clearly, I mean, there are people that come from Shia or Sunni or other things. And even within their cultures, I mean, you can ask their own people and they can't have a different opinion that some of them are more rigid uh, about the way in which they are, they are conducting yourself. Now, even in Judaism, there are different kind of like group of people, yes, that are more literally, you know, it's, it's not surprising, you know, you have Orthodox, you have modern Orthodox, you have, so <laughs> obviously there are different kind of spectrums in which, and when we, even if we talk about Judaism, what exactly we're talking about, which kind of a group. So I do think the, the, the highest level answers, I do think, think that people are at different levels and religious uh, for, you know, people are at different spectrums of their level of acceptance or flexibility. It, Rabbi, answer a question. Yeah, no, that's that, it's true. There's lots of different, Judaism is an amalgam of all sorts of different uh, belief sets, and it, the spectrum is pretty, pretty broad. Uh, Rabbi, one of the interesting kind of stats around this is that if you ask someone, yeah, if sharing religious beliefs with your spouse is, quote-unquote, very important for a successful ma- marriage, this is from the Pew Research Center's Religious Landscape Study, a multi-decade, very well-regarded study. Uh, about half, 47%, say that religious beliefs, sharing religious beliefs with one spouse is, quote-unquote, very important for a successful marriage. And that number goes up to almost two-thirds, 64%, depending on how you break out that, that cohort. So it's a lot of people. But then, here's the interesting part, Rabbi. When you ask the same people if shared religious beliefs were very important to their choice in a spouse, only 27% say yes. And you see this across a lot of the studies, meaning theoretically people feel it's more important, but then at the personal level, they feel it's less important. Is that true in your experience when you work with couples thinking about conversion? Rabbi, do we have you? Okay, well, I think we may have an audio issue with the rabbi. Maybe you're on mute. Uh, Moshe, what do, you, what do you think about that? Is it true that... It, yeah, I think oh, sorry, I was on mute. Okay, go ahead. Rabbi. Hello. Yeah. Okay. A communication is a very important element in any relationship, and I think people should communicate. When it comes to feelings and belief systems, it's a different part of the body, and so it, it acts and reacts differently. And um, there is, it, it also it depends on how much a person is stuck in the belief, how much the, it depends on the ego of the person. It depends on, on various things. Um, to make a relationship, any relationship work, you have to find ways to balance it, to bring in things that, that complement and not bring in things that don't. And that's a constant challenge in any relationship on a daily basis. So, so by, by, you, have, in terms of the question I huh? asked, then it, 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 I guess what you're saying is that at the at the personal level, people know what they've got to wrestle with. But at the so at the personal level, maybe yeah. they think it's less challenging. Maybe it is. It is maybe. less challenging. Right. And that's but, what then, they were, <laughs> but then when they look at generally at, at, at culture as a whole. They think, you know, for others, they ought to find someone. For someone else, you know, you better find someone of your own religion. But you know what? I can handle right. it. <laughs> I can handle mm-hmm. being someone. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and do a little bit of a lightning round uh to our two guests and talk uh, get into it a little bit more in terms of the challenge of of interfaith marriage. You can participate live caller on line 5. Please be patient. We'll get to you after the break. You can participate live by calling 718-303-9090 and uh keep out the keep the text questions and comments coming on interfaith marriage to 917 428 Four zero six two. We'll be right back. That was just a dream. That's me in the corner. That's me in the spot. Life, illusion, my religion. Trying to keep up. Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been called, but I'm keeping on, keeping on All right, back on Equal Footing, and we are talking about the challenge of interfaith marriage with Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Serebriansky, also a.k.a. Rabbi Yossi, and Moshe Ratzin, who is a psychotherapist and executive coach. All right, let's do a quick lightning round from some questions uh, that, that, have, that have come in. So I feel like I should have gotten to this in the research ahead of time. Moshe, let's start with you. One listener asks, what is, is interfaith marriage more prevalent in Judaism or less prevalent than in other religions? The question is, is, is there is faith more marriages common? more prevalent in, yeah. in Judaism, more common? Uh, I, I cannot, to be honest, I, I don't have any statistics, <laughs> you know, to to back up uh, any kind of information in that regard. Um, okay, well, we'll I'll, um, I'll try to, on the next break, I'm sure that's in one of the... One of the uh, stats here that the that the producer provided to me. So let's go. Let's go to the next one here. And this is this is for is another text uh, uh, comment or comment slash question to you, uh, Rabbi. This this is written from someone who has uh, considered converting in the past uh, and says, "I love the desire. I, I lost the desire to make an Orthodox conversion." I still identify in the Jewish path, but I don't see the need for the formality of an actual conversion at this point. What do you say when someone when someone in a couple says that to you, Rabbi? I would say, great. If that's how you feel, go with the way you feel. So that would be marrying someone, someone who's non-Jewish, marrying someone who's Jewish in that case, and not converting. Well, again, we, I, I'm not I, doing an Orthodox conversion. As a, I don't see it as a conversion. There are two people in a relationship, and one doesn't feel they want to, they they feel they're happy where they are. Why should I try to do anything? Right. Yeah, it it sounds sounds nice from a religious perspective. You break up people if if it's a different religion, or, um, you know, you tell a guy he has to be religious. But the, the truth is, the connection with God is not, based in religion, it's based within yourself. If you find a connection with the Creator uh, in whatever way you, you're doing it, and that's your expression, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, well, here's an, here's another uh, text comment. And please, I, in, I encourage you to text in or call in with your personal experiences of what has worked or not worked from an interfaith marriage perspective in your in your life. So this, this listener, Moisha, uh, says, my feeling is that interfaith marriage is an incredible tool 
to deal with today's world and to bring up children so they're open to different ideas and cultures. So I disagree when people say that interfaith marriage creates issues issues when raising children. I'm sure that comes up in, in your therapy with, with couples. What do you think on that point? <laughs> that, 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 that's a beautiful, uh, that's a beautiful uh, question. And, and it, it seems like, you know, uh, when somebody asks us, it's, it always reminds me of something in the Kabbalah that says uh, your, your best teacher is, is your enemy. Uh, in, in, in that regard, that differences can only enhance enhance your your, your spirituality, your, your your qualities, whatever it is. The point that is important to, to remember in an ideal aspect, this is this is true. This is your spiritual path, probably, or psychological growth. But how do you get to that point? It requires a great level of openness, compassion, understanding, and a great level of work. Because how do you say that? What what really attracts you sometimes can can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's also again absolutely. Uh, listen, we bring we don't have to go to interfaith marriages. We're talking about men and women in itself are, are such a conflicting aspects, so, uh, but yet they're complementing one another. Right. Yes? So, so I see that in the same line. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting point, that point that we talked about earlier in the show about kind of plurality of, of perspective or diversity in perspective, and if that actually creates can create the context for uh, stronger child-rearing. Uh, in, interesting. Uh, I, one listener has helped and actually uh, quoted an article, a pretty fresh article from last year in the New York Times, on interfaith marriage. Um, and to answer that previous listener's uh, question, interfaith marriage in Judaism is statistically higher. I suspect that partly is due to the fact that uh, as Jews, we represent a small percentage of the overall population, uh, but is about 25% more likely uh, than in the Christian faith, for example, in the United States. We're going to take a caller on line five, and we're going to take, then we're taking our last break, but here's an interesting uh, an, another interesting uh, study from the Pew Research Center from 2014, and they asked a group of a thousand adults in the United States what were the most important elements for their for success in their marriage, and the order of them was as follows: number one, having shared interests and hobbies; number two, having satisfying sex. Number three, sharing household chores. That's a surprise. Um, number four, having similar views on income and financial management. Number five, this is pretty low, uh, similar views on having children. Number six, agreement on politics. There's a bunch of these. But the seventh one is shared religious beliefs. Comes in number seven. When asking a thousand American adults, what is the key to a successful marriage? So, Caller on line five. Drop some wisdom on us. Yes, good evening, Doug. Stan, how are you? Stan, how are you? I was uh, seeing a Catholic girl for almost 12 years. I was going to marry this woman. Now, you're Jewish. Uh, Obviously, yeah. But uh, again, uh, may not be obvious to us, or is that a regular (laughs) But as you know, I'm not very religious. I'm not a believer in a divine being. So I was more a cultural Jew. She wasn't that religious either. And for 11 years, 12 years, uh, we were going to, uh, but that something happened related to my mother, and it didn't turn out well, and she moved to California, and I didn't go, and that was that. But I think you're missing something here, which you didn't put in. Uh, what percentage of Jews are interfaith now? Almost 30, 40 percent is yeah. a big, that's the numbers you haven't even talked about. Yeah, 34%. It is a major yes. thing. Secondly, it's more about, and you mentioned the word love, more marriages of faith disintegrate because of money, this, that, and so forth. Religion is the minimal thing that it's uh, uh, same, obviously same religions. And it has nothing to do with religion when they disintegrate. It's more about those things, you know, cheating on this, money, whatever. But religion never comes into play in that situation. Uh, and why are the marriages successful in the faith? They work harder at it, and they don't. And a lot of them do not ask them to convert. You're marrying a Catholic, or or you're marrying a Jew. 
The other does not ask. You're marrying them for exactly who they are. You love them, and if it comes down within a year, so forth, that's the initial situation with uh, both uh, people of different faiths. It's the love. You said love. A connection, this and that. And that is the success is this, rate of it. Do you it. have a question or is that your statement? Uh, well, I don't know if these people, one gentleman says, well, here's the thing, would both of them do joint weddings if uh, a couple came in, if they said, I want a rabbi and a priest there, would well, you both well, attend and do I, the service? I appreciate your comment, Sam. We're going to ask that question and I'm going to turn your comment into a question. Thank you okay. as always for okay. your... For so your I want to get their answer on that. Yeah, Please. I will. Okay, so Rabbi, thank you, Stan. Rabbi, quickly, would you would you do an interfaith uh, marriage? Would you officiate, you know, if it was you and a priest, for example? I would not officiate at a marriage where a Jew is marrying someone who's not Jewish. I have officiated marriages of non-Jews from one non-Jew to another, or from one Jew to another Jew, but not interfaith. Okay, and I and Rabbi, I'm going to turn stands comment into a question because I think it's mm-hmm. to the extent that he also said I hadn't kind of brought love into the equation as I should. I think to be fair to a religious perspective, especially at least a Jewish religious perspective that I'm more familiar mm-hmm. with, we also haven't brought in the religious people into the equation. So even at a granular level, if you know a an individual couple that's interfaith could work, meaning they'd be in love and have a wonderful life together and have children, there still is the issue of the existential threat to a smaller demographic uh, a religion like Judaism that represents you know whatever it is one percent of the people on the planet, um, and that arguably can or even should trump the individual decision. Is that a is that a fair way to look at it? I look at that if two people are in love and they want to live together, that's fine. That's okay with me. But when it comes to myself being a rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi in religion, um, there is no there is no leeway. You you just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You line one. Hello. Yes, Rifki, you're on the. Yeah. Hi, it's Rifki. And um, your programs are getting a little better. I'm impressed. Thank you. Oh, thank we you. All, we listeners appreciate it. Um, okay, so uh, first of all, I'm impressed with you, Rabbi. Rabbi, kudos to you. You have the right perspectives. Um, thank you. Now, and um, what I want to bring out, you keep saying that Judaism is a rigid religion. It's not. It's a structured religion. And that change of words makes a big difference. It is a structured religion. Everybody has its place, has their place. We have certain things that we do, we're structured. Think about it. It's a fair point, and and certainly only marrying someone within the faith is part of the structure of Judaism. And to your your point, a listener... a listener just uh, asked a question that, that really segues well with your question to the rabbi of where, where specifically does it say in the Torah that you must marry another Jew if you're going to marry? Rabbi, help I, us out. Hey, hang on one second, Rifka. <laughs> it doesn't say in the Torah you have to marry a Jew. It's just not to marry a non-Jew. Okay. Where's the crapping bomb? Where specifically is that for this listener's edification? Um, the Hebrew terminology is racist bomb do not marry with them. It's, I, I, the, the exact reference, I don't, I can't tell you exact off the top of my head. Okay. But those are the Hebrew words. Well, maybe we'll put it in the, in, in the show notes. And, and the, the, okay. the Rifke, I appreciate your, your feedback. We're going to come up on time here, but I, I love being corrected. <laughs> and, uh, and Rifke, I, pr- I appreciate, appreciate in the past your, your criticism as well. So here's a correction. A, a listener has, has written and said that, uh, it, that my argument around Judaism being a small religion, just in terms of the number of people in society as a whole, as a, as a reason for uh, there being a higher level of intermarriage just uh, demographically in that group doesn't hold because the group that is least likely to have intermarriage are Mormons, and there are fewer Mormons than Jews in the United States. So I stand corrected, although I would argue to you, listener, that 
the Mormon community is very geographically concentrated. Of course, so is the Orthodox Jewish community. So who knows? Maybe I am wrong. All right, we're going to take our last break, and we'll be right back on Equal Footing talking about the challenge of interfaith marriage. From Let's talk about a long-term sponsor for a sec for Equal Footing. That's DocuVax. DocuVax is so needed right now. It's a digital medical locker. It's easily accessible on your smartphone and your laptop. You can find it on the uh, App Store and your iPhone or on, your, on the Android App Store. It allows you to safely store and validate your basic medical information, including immunization records, lab results, even x-rays, x-rays and MRIs. So gone are the days of losing time tracking down your medical records or sharing test results with a new insurance company or a new healthcare provider. DocuVax, that's D-O-C-U-V-A-X, covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from COVID, flu, and tetanus vaccines, to colorectal and breast cancer screenings, to blood type and allergy information. Sign up. Go to DocuVax.com, or again, go to the DocuVax app on your iPhone or your Android phone, or call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. For as little as $6.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility, and and most important, If you're a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals, doctors and nurses are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, your blood tests, or anything else in your medical locker. So put an end to worrying if you or someone you care about is up to date in your particular vaccine, blood test, or important preventative screening, and you don't have to do this through a government application or you don't have control of your data. Take control of your medical file, and it qualifies under the Excelsior Pass program in New York, for example. Sign up at DocuVax.com. Or call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. And if you mention Equal Footing, you can get a group discount if you're a small or medium-sized business owner and you want to sponsor this as a health benefit for your employees. Our operators are standing by. 833-859-1933. I've been All right, we're back on equal footing. I'm here with my guests talking about interfaith marriage. And we must have, uh, our guests, my guests are Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Serbiansky, otherwise known as Rabbi Yossi, and Moshe Ratzon, who's a psychotherapist and an executive coach. Guys, we must have hit a nerve over the last 15 minutes because we started to get flooded by, uh, texts and, and calls. There are clear, this is clearly a, it, it can be a third rail issue, particularly in, the Orthodox Jewish community. We're pretty much up on time. Uh, Moisha, I'm going to give you the last word because I think that the religious perspective is very clear. And by the way, I mean, I try to, you know, tweak these issues and get out, you know, different perspectives, but I do agree with you, Rabbi. Just put out my personal view as an observant Jew that, that, um, that, that in the Jewish faith, at least, in part for existential reasons, that there shouldn't be interfaith marriage. But having that being having, having said that, Moisha, give us just a quick last word on why you think interfaith marriage can work. Not cannot, but can work. It can work uh, for the simple uh, reason uh, that that is kind of like on a universal basis, we all have uh, similar needs. Uh, and and I, th- I think if we are capable of of, of going beyond the rigidity, uh, you know, to a greater level of embracement, flexibility, understanding, and compassion, and openness. Well, that's what we try. So many to, ways. That's, that's what we try to do in the show. We're out, we're out of time. Is get to a greater level of flexibility, even if we don't always agree. Rabbi Yossi, thank you. Moshe Ratzin, thank you for being on equal footing. You're welcome. Don't go changing to try and please me. You never let me down before. Mm-hmm. 
don't imagine You're too familiar And I don't see you anymore I would not leave you In times of trouble We never could have come this far I took the good times I'll take the bad times I'll take you just the way 